Welcome to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show, where our hearts are our master. A production of CosmicReality.com. And welcome to Cosmic Reality. It is March 7th, 2023. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Walt Silva and Dolly Howard. And um, I hope everybody's having a good day. Um, I was on with Walter on the Shanghai show. We sure covered a lot of different topics on that show today. Did you have a good time, Walt? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. It was really interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know how we do it without... Our friend Mark giving us questions. <laughs> what about this? Oh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and Dolly, Dolly, how you feeling, Dolly? You doing okay? Yep, I'm doing great. Yeah. Have you gone dancing yet? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Have you heard Not anything? That I would from like the- to. Have you heard anything from Dave at all? Uh, let me see. My time is mixed up, Walt. Oh. I think we were talking uh, recently, but I can't remember. Oh, oh, he was just encouraging me to stay strong because <clears throat> I was I was bitching about this stuff again about. Oh, it's taken so long. Why is it taking so long? Why can't people wake the heck up? <laughs> and he came. Now you need to just calm yourself down, little girl. <laughs> I, so he calmed me down from that. But I don't remember when it was. Oh. Um, he just he just says, uh, you got to. Stay strong, stay patient, because the things that are supposed to be happening are happening. And and he said that, here he is right now, and he says, don't get so impatient, because it's supposed to be this way. They want to take as many people as they can, uh, and they, they're waking up faster now. Uh, they, he says it. Thank goodness they're finally starting to realize Which, because of all the stuff that. When you say they want to take as many out. people, what what kind of people are you referring to? Uh, the ones that are still sleeping. Oh. The ones that are refusing to wake up, or and those who uh, think. They don't want to participate. Um, they're trying to give them another chance because uh, it's going to be final. Gonna, I, I, I seem to remember there's a saying. Up. I seem to remember there's a saying about uh, taking a horse to water or something around there. Yeah. 
can't well, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was and, talking. Um, he says that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, I'm sorry. He's just saying the same stuff uh, that big things are happening right now. Well, it's not really the same, is it? Please don't hit me in the back of the head. Um, it's just big, big things, boom, things are happening. We are not seeing all of it. What we are seeing is not everything. Um, they're trying to show a little at a time as much as they think, uh, as much as they think will get people to start looking. Uh, people like Tucker uh, are helping because Tucker got the, uh, uh, he got those reports. Does Dave, yeah. can, can Dave, can we ask a question, uh, simple, is there any risk to the general population because uh, this gentleman, Michael Jaco, he's talking about sleeper cells that may be called upon to wake up and start creating all kinds of yeah. nonsense. Yeah. Is there, yeah. Any, yeah. is there any truth to that? Yeah, absolutely, yes. Mm. And he says it's not going to be a clean war. War is war. There's always bloodshed in war. Please don't get upset. Those who are going to be bloodshedding chose to do the bloodshedding. Some of them just they really, really, really don't want to uh, go forward. They want to stay in their hidden state. <clears throat> um. And the ones that will be having some sort of bloodshed or even death, they chose to do this in this war. War is always bloody, and it's always it always has some sadness, and it has some goodness. Uh, uh, so we all need to stay strong. He says, "I, I can't." It says stay strong enough. Keep sending out love. Keep sending out good uh, feelings. Uh, do those who meditate, please continue to meditate. Um, those who pray, please continue to pray. The more prayers there are, the better it is for the white hats. Um, the... Uh, The black hats, the bad dudes, the even sat Satanistic beings are really terrified at this point. So they're going to be doing some very nasty things, things you wouldn't expect to happen. Um, and the, the toxic things, the factories burning... Uh, Like food factories, I said this before. Um, <laughs> I know. He says, say it again. I'm telling you, uh, the, the food factories that are being burned, it's on purpose by the uh, white hats because the food that's being made is 
being poisoned. There's things in it you really don't want to eat. Um, if you remember the show Soylent Green, uh, there's some of that stuff going on. And uh, so it's really a good thing so far with with the uh, food factories going down. Um, the toxic stuff, he says the White Hats have tried to make the toxic uh, stuff not quite so toxic. Um, they've tried to dilute it. And uh, some... Some people will be able to handle it uh, with a little bit of sickness and get through it. Uh, other people won't be able to because of the state of their health of their bodies. Um, but it has to be done. You're going to see more disasters happen. Uh, and these will be not, not just train derailments where people don't, a mass of people don't get hurt. He says we're going to see mass masses of of people getting hurt or dying. And like he said before, this has to be done. They're doing the best they can do to make war not so warish. They try to do more things behind the scenes and that's a lot to do with they don't want the enemy to know what they're up to because you don't want to show the enemy what you're going to do um, a lot of the big guys are taken out a lot of people have been taken out and we will be surprised. Even us, we will be very surprised at uh, how many have been taken out and replaced. Wait a minute, Dave. Let me please ask a question, please. Um, I keep thinking when I see people, I think, oh, they've been replaced. Are as many as I think as I see, have been replaced. Is it true that I'm seeing this stuff? Yes. In fact, it's more than what I'm seeing. He says, <laughs> it's really like sitting and watching a, a play with a cast of characters. That's what we've pretty much come to down to is a lot of uh, the beings are cast of people in a, in like a play um, but why because it has to be that way oh boy I get tired of that answer I know I am a little bit snippy today <laughs> You're being awful snippy today. Yes, I am. I apologize. <laughs> um, and he, he says, if you have any more questions, ask it, because he's going to leave soon. No questions? 
Nancy, well, none that he could answer. Exactly. Oh, okay. <laughs> the ones that I would ask, I'm going through my head and I'm going, no, he won't answer that. He won't answer that. So I guess not. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. <laughs> Come back if you Thank can. You, Thank you, Dave. <laughs> he says he'll be hanging he'll around. Be hanging around. Oh, I hear an echo. <clears throat> okay. So can I comment on a couple things? Yes. Hello? Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. When when he when this question that you had about this the cells that uh, Walt put out there about these you know, I mean that was what all of us that have been military people I think would have seen as being are you people crazy because this over the border with all these different people knowing that uh, China in particular, but a lot of other hateful people towards us have been putting cells all through the United States, sleeper cells, just waiting for the great upheaval when they're going to be out there and doing their thing. Um, it, it's just part of war. It's what you would look for if you're trained in any kind of military tactics. So I actually was fighting a a paper war, you know, like we see, I guess I can see this as a game because I played it so many times. We'd have these war games and you'd have a division that sets up all their communications just like they would in a war situation. And then they begin to get fed scenarios from the field. In other words, I just found a truck that had all this sand in the gas tank. Okay, well, that comes back to headquarters and the intelligence part of it. And it go, why would they be doing that? Who's doing that? Um, so that's how you start these these war games. They're called. And um, so I look at the battlefield that I see in front of me as a war game. It's real. It's happening. But I don't know the specifics of it. But if I make up the specifics be based on what I'm seeing on the game board, well, then they must be doing this. Um, it's it's a, just a way of playing games in your head. I mean, you're pl we're all playing games. We're learning. It's experience. It's like, oh. And so I expected that these uh, sleeper cells were there, and I, but I didn't think about them because there's not much I can do about them. I can only, you know, say, well, we're going to maybe probably likely – uh, have that confrontation too. But when you uh, asked the question, Walt, it made me think of what Matthew said. He said that lockdowns are probable at this point, but that it's the militia out there trying to save you and protect you, not take over. So, yeah, if 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 you're going to have a, the militia come in, and I've always felt that, that you wouldn't be having the commission, the militia come in to take over your cities and control everything. By God, they already had control through having no police, <laughs> you know. Um, but to have the militia there because the militia is after certain cells, I'm sure that you wouldn't. I mean, if I know this, then certainly others in the military know this. And they've probably been looking for them for a long time. So even though they're there, they may not 
let's say, get into action, they may be taken out before that happens. Or once they make a, a move, the military is ready to go for them. So I wouldn't be too awfully concerned about that. Um, it's It would be already in the plan. The plan would know about that. The other thing I wanted to point out was, you know, this, this frustration about getting people to wake up. And Mark brought the word up and I said, what's that word? I don't remember ever hearing it before. And the word is democide. And I said, what's that? And he said, well, you've got suicide, the killing of one, and you've got genocide, and that's the killing of a few, but a lot. And then you have democide, and that's killing by the government. So maybe we should start to use that word to make people aware that this is this is a government thing against us. And what time is it? Maybe maybe we should just play that play that <clears throat> clip high thing. You want want to do that? That yeah. twenty minutes. I think yeah. it'll it'll set up the rest of the show because he brings out so much interesting. I, and again, I want to preface this because I did with with uh, Walton Dolly. It's like. I hear the I, I'm I'm doing trying you know I listen to a lot of these things as all we all do, and I'm looking at it from the standpoint of maybe putting it on uh you know the radio clips or whole shows, and I came across this one it's two hours and forty five minutes, and it's with Cliff Hyde and Dr. Lee Merritt, and it was Dr. Merritt that actually started the show up with the. Asking about the uh, oh gosh, what is it? What well, the Hesarian uh, mafia? You know, she she was asking Cliff about it. Now Cliff High is uh, oh he's a character. Okay, in this during this this whole two no, let's say three hours of talking, he was talking about how much hallucinogenics he's taken in order to control his schizophrenia. <laughs> I think it was schizophrenia. And so he says, I know that, you know, I go out there a lot, but, you know, into the to the crazy world. But that's why I know about this world. Um, in this world, he is a linguist. And the first time I've ever, he's got a lot of credentials. The first time I really, really listened to Cliff, he was talking about the show, basically, that we did uh is we doing it tomorrow? Yeah, we're doing it tomorrow. Um, and it's on smart cities and the control, digital control of the currency and all of this stuff that they're going to try to enact. And when you listen to it now, you know, with these new people doing it, it's like, oh, God, that's terrible. Well, years ago, I'm talking four years ago at least, I hear this audio videotape with with cliff high saying the same things but he was talking about the chinese people and he said and he said and he said in five years we could be there we could be exactly where the chinese people are now you know the their inability to well they limit the the geographic area that any of their communications will will work so that they can't get money to pay for certain things or get money to pay if you're outside of the zone and all these regulations and if if you spend too much money on food they're not going to let you spend any more money on food i mean it's like absolute perfect control 
so that's where I where I really got an appreciation for the depth of Cliff's research capabilities and his way to articulate it. And in this two and a three hours, let's say, it um, he does go off on a on a you know some of the things that my attitude towards it is is I just don't need to know it. I'm not saying it's right or wrong or true or false. I don't care. It's just not something that I can deal with, and it doesn't seem to be a major influence in my life right now. So I'm going to play. It's a 20-minute tape. And Nancy. We, what? What? You might want to read in the chat room what Infinite said. What did she say? Do, do as you want. She says, oh, my God, Nancy. Be careful with Cliff's information. He requires permission from him to use his videos. Otherwise, he will get in your ASS for it. Well, okay, but this was on Lee Merritt's station. She's the one that interviewed him. So then it would be okay. And I'm not making any money on this. I'm trying to introduce him to other people. He, you know, other people may, you know, really be into this type of thing. So, mm-hmm. and if I'm going to be afraid of being sued, well, you know, I'm more afraid of a lot of other things than being sued from Cliff I. All right. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Infant. Though I'm glad you gave me the warning, but it is with Lee Merritt. And, you know. And it's only 20 minutes. It's not like I'm c- capturing a whole bunch. So don't don't anybody worry about it. But I thank you. Okay, so we're going to play it. Yeah, let's see. I mean, I've said so many other things and I play people's stuff all the time. I don't make money on it. <laughs> all right, let me pull this up. All right, 20 minutes. I'm not a big Sitchin fan. Okay, okay, because because now you can go to the University of Chicago and find uh, English translations, German translations of all the cuneiform tablets, and they've been uh, done and redone by okay. uh, by AI assisted, you know, which I hate that term, but expert system translation where they they had uh, the uh, photographs, you know, normalized the whole thing, right? And so you and there's the thing: nowhere do you find any of the stuff that Sitchin reports. Nowhere. Interesting. Including the tablets that he said it came from. Okay. Okay. Got copies of all of this at the University of Chicago. Right. So does that mean that all that stuff about the Anunnaki is complete BS? No. 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 Okay. Because none of that. So he got some of this right, but. But it didn't come from the way. Okay. The stuff that's total BS was this Planet X stuff, right? Um, Oh, good. Okay. uh, (laughs) And and it was um. Okay. So. Uh, I, I think I found a lot of the source material that he's actually quoting. All right. And so I, I'm of the opinion that he was doing some kind of a misdirection for his own purposes in okay. pointing to tablets that weren't related to what he was speaking about for whatever reason. If you go to the source material, he misinterpreted the planet X stuff in my opinion. Okay. So let's, let's roll way back. Um, uh, my opinion is that um, the that Hebraic language is recent. My opinion is that uh, the Hebrews are recent as a as an entity. 
um, in the sense that 6,000 or less years. My opinion is that between the last ice age and this 6,000-year period beginning, there was an invasion um, of Earth by these alien beings that we later come to call the Theoi, if you were Greek, the Anunnaki, um, you know, the El, the Elohim, the Divas, all of these different words applied to this same group of people. And because my father went through all of the war colleges, including the logistics schools and all of these others, I have this like osmotic understanding of analyzing um, um, movements of people and beings and so forth in a military sort of a fashion. So I see in the reports that you can extract from the Mahabharata going all the way back through Japanese literature into European literature, the Codex Oralinda, all of these things are ancient, ancient uh, records. I see a military campaign that came down to earth that all humans are now um, reacting to because we don't have a clear understanding of what happened. And if you read it the way I do, admittedly, I'm, I could be fantastically wrong, okay? At least when I look at it this particular way, it appears to be cohesive. And so um, it appears that they landed in Eurasia. There are some records in Sanskrit. There's some records in Pali. There's some records in Japanese, uh, Tibetan, and Malay that suggest that they numbered almost a quarter of a million individuals and that they came down and they conquered a vast quantity of humanity in about 20 minutes. And they spread out over a very large area of Eurasia, but basically settled in what we might think of as northern India, Kashmir, and so on. And, and, and do you thought, do you have any idea what the population of the Earth of humans were at that time? Um, if a quarter so, million so, of them came down. Uh, we okay. So this is this is the problem. Uh, humans and their mathematics, right? So I don't have any confidence in in what I'm going to tell you. Okay. Um, but in terms of my estimation, right? But I know that we numbered in the millions. Okay. Because, okay, because of the a serious level of language that was applied to what the people had to do uh, to deal with the dead. Okay, so some of these tribes, some of these uh, places that wrote this stuff down would speak of the few that remained being outnumbered by a hundred days of burying. That's how, so they had to just bury people for a hundred days, right? Those that remained that kind of thing. So we're talking about a pretty big slaughter. Um, there's really gruesome aspects of this, okay? Uh, and this is where we have to get into, you know, and put on our adult um, hats and stuff. These were, not these were not people that were coming down to conquer us for our own good and teach us and all of that kind of stuff, right? When they slaughtered, they would do a particular kind of a ritual in which the belly fat of women and children was removed along with the internal organs around the pancreas and the adrenal uh, complex. These were then converted by burning into a fume that the these beings inhaled and it got them high. I kid you not. Okay, this so is this is proto adrenochrome. <laughs> correct, correct. It is it is related to oxidized adrenaline. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay, and if you read, actually go and read uh, the Naked Bible with Mauro Linguino, 
Um, he will, in that book, he describes the actual translation of the Old Testament in which there's not 10 commandments, but there are hundreds of commandments, the vast majority of which go to how you are to prepare the fat of the enemy to be burned in the burnt offering such that the Elohim can come on in and huff it. So is that the basis of all this 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 burnt offering to God kind of thing in the Old Testament? Even oh, you're gonna, you're gonna you're gonna be shocked if you haven't okay. read the Naked Bible by Mauro Biglini, Biglino. Read it, and he's got a got a YouTube channel, and you can go and talk to him. He actually describes the twenty types of flying machines that are there's so many words in the Bible that are not translatable. And for the, for instance, there's nowhere in the in the Old Testament do you see the word Jew, nor do you see the word God. Okay, so so these words are simply not in there. They're they're applied in the 1200s. That's when the, when the Bible was seriously overworked as part of a mind control process, in my opinion, uh, from a Hebrew translation into our modern uh, language translations. It was seriously overworked in this period of time as a result of the Khazarians being forced into a political choice, a political military choice. Okay. And so the Khazarians were an evil empire. They, it's really, really deep. But anyway, so they're an evil empire. Yeah, no, I know. I, I'm actually, my, my goal this year is to read in Russian uh, Solzhenitsyn's 200 Years Together because, I, I mean, they're not translating it, and I don't trust the translations, and I, I'll, I'll stumble through it somehow. Yeah, and, you'll, yeah. and you'll, you'll find shocking information in the sense of the political structure of the time of the 1200s that all this major stuff occurred. During that period of time, there were people that were called the name stealers in Oralinda, and they were also called the name stealers in the journey to the West in the Chinese, two formative um, uh, books for two vast peoples, the Chinese peoples and all the peoples of Europe. And they encountered the name stealers who, who they had to cross through their territory to do trade with each other. And so the, the name stealers would kill the visitors, take everything, dress up one of their guys as that visitor and send them on to complete the deal and, and rip off both sides. These people right. were also also blood drinkers. Right. And that's we get into all this adrenochrome and stuff now. Yeah. OK, so now the Khazarians are, are easily divided into two groups. OK. One group actually is this core inner group that believes that they have this extra bit of DNA. So let me back way up again, okay? When these, when these beings came down to Earth that, have been ha- that had all these different names, um, some of the descriptions are accurate no matter what the culture. And one of the descriptions is that these people did genetic modifications of themselves and, and other beings. And they created, in my opinion, most of the white people on this planet. I don't think white people would exist without these space aliens. Anyway, so, um, boy, it's, it's so and that's the, That's over 6,000 years ago we're talking correct, about. Correct. We might be talking 11,000 years ago. It was right after the last Ice Age, or it may have even preceded the last Ice Age ending it's indeterminate at this point for a lot of different reasons. So right. anyway, so um, so these warlike beings fought among themselves and they would organize us as their troops and they would basically treat us like people on a chessboard, right? right. And, uh, and they would kill just, us in their, in, their, in their battles and shit. They were just that way. One group of them got the, started getting um, uh, the shit kicked out of them. This group was the, the people that would ultimately be called the L in the Old Testament. The L were kicked out of Kashmir, which was their fiefdom, and they just migrated a little bit to the uh, northeast 
and settled in Kazaria. Okay, they and they set up these giant uh, electromagnetic tents, if you will, that covered huge, vast areas of territory. And so they do their genetic experiments there and stuff. Their enemies mount another battle later on, some hundreds of years later, that almost destroys the uh, L that are in Kazaria, and they have to flee. They are vastly reduced in number to basically what we would think of as maybe a company in strength, okay? And the, but it's basically their officer corps and then their minion groups. And they have to flee, and they go to South Yemen. And this is where the Bible story starts, because they conquered the tribes of the South Yemen and forced them in this deadly march to go to Judea. And in that march, over half of the population, of both animals and people of these tribes die. And then they end up in Judea, and we have this mishmash of stories all around the Jews that relate from the Judeans and, and Abraham and, and Christ and all of that. But these people were Essenes. They were not Jews. They, they're Semitic people, but the, what we think of as the Jews are the Khazarians, and they are not Semitic, okay? Now, I'm not anti-Khazarian at all, okay? Uh, I got lots of Ukrainian friends. One of my oldest friends is this guy who's a silver smelter in, in Ukraine. Uh, I think the Khazarians are, are very nice people and stuff, but here's the thing. There's a subgroup of the Khazarians that think they have this special bit of DNA that the L put in them. And they think of themselves as like the uber elite. And they have inculcated into the Jews, uh, they wrap themselves in the Jewish population like a, a, a sacrificial cloak, okay? And they have inculcated into that sacrificial population certain beliefs that basically will um, suffice, they think, to protect the inner core, okay? And in my opinion, most of that sacrificial population does not have the view that would allow themselves to see themselves in this historical context. They, they never see themselves as the sacrificial population because, in my opinion, they've been inculcated in enough of the uh, core Khazarian mafia belief to think themselves special, to, to be the leaders of the world and all of this. And so they sort of don't understand why everybody gets pissed off when the Khazarian mafia on the inside of them does all this bad stuff, right? Nor are they able to um, differentiate themselves from the Khazarian mafia, really. And uh, their belief structure is 100% controlled. So it's difficult for them to get out of it. Um, this, is, this is, in my opinion, why we have this, this phenomenon that goes back through history uh, of the self-hating Jew, right? Now, okay, the, the, yeah. let me just ask you about the dongle or whatever we want mm -hmm. to call it, this DNA dongle. I like your term. Yeah. Because that's how I even got into the Kazarian thing was following this, you know, before, before COVID for decades – um, these people were scavenging DNA from around the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. and it seems to me what they were doing was they were trying to find their tribe. They're trying to say, okay, we know we're different. How are we different? How can we figure this out? And they started sampling and they figured out some things. And so are these people, and it seems to me that the people that have this are people that over the millennia have kept their DNA very pure. They always marry within the group. They are, you know, in other words, again, um, you know, my my friend is, uh, it turns out genetically, all her relatives are in Ukraine. She has got 100% Ashkenazi DNA, but 
she's not she's not married in the group. Her children will dilute this out. But the people that really care about this seem to marry inside the group, this this small core you're talking about. And they see themselves as different. They don't see themselves, though, as the inheritors of this extraterrestrial. Correct. Correct. Okay. Or they so do. They, they see themselves as the inheritors, but not from extraterrestrial beings, but from God. Okay. I see. I and see. So that provides them the divinity. That provides them the the core emotion that allows them to be as they are in the circumstances that they encounter and to withstand the natural blowback that they're going to get from everybody else who just wants to go along and say, yo, dude, you know, back on. Right. So, but it seems like that if in a less polite circles, we would call that character psychopathic. They don't uh, see us yeah, as them. Yes. Yes. I mean, they don't, okay. they don't have any that's human why, emotion. That's why, that's why we're all called goy. Cattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right? So, okay. So, or beasts. Okay. And so there's, yeah. uh, I love translation issues and stuff, right? Cause then it, it teaches you a lot. And if you, if you really go into some of these translations, you can find, uh, I, I hate to deal with numbers because we can't trust our own history, right? You read Fomenko and all of this kind of stuff. And uh, and you see how the, the history has been manipulated by the Kazarians and numbers and all of these things. But nonetheless, here's the deal. The, the people with the dongle um, faced a situation where they were um, uh, they were known to be blood drinkers and they were in, encased in the Kazarian Empire, which was surrounded by Russia on one side, the white republics of the um, of Europe on the other and then the rising Ottoman Empire down on the on the south. And they were all three of them told them, look, you guys, you can't be doing this stuff anymore. Right. You're stealing our kids and stuff. You have to take a religion. So that was their thinking at that time, right? That a religion would save everything. Well, that ain't worked out so well, in my opinion. No. But anyways, they so just they, took it on the surface, but they still practice the old Babylonian correct. child correct. sacrifice and all that. And it's yeah. even worse than that, though, because here's the thing. It was. It was a core group of Kazarians surrounded by regular Kazarians who really, regular Ukrainians, we might think, who really don't want any part of these Kazarian dongle right. guys. And the Kazarian dongle guys, they don't think that the, the, the regular Jews around them are part of the same core people. So, so it's really convoluted. What we would think of as the racial exclusivity of a Jewish culture applied to the rest of the world has a component that applies it against that very culture itself. So it gets yeah. really complicated. But it, but there are um, there are reasons to think that the Kazarians are accurate insofar as the DNA. And I know about the hunt that had been going on, and a friend of mine in Mexico. Uh, who's a physician, uh, but works in research, uh, was of the opinion that they were looking not for their own, but for examples of other types. So, so we know because they did it extensively here in America, all through Central America and so on, right? And so we know that one of the largest um, um, coordinating gods that talked to all of the other places it was in Central America. Um, in, up through Mexico, even uh, there's some suggestions it reached into Southwest U.S. territory. Are, are we uh, talking about their bloodline? This this no, inter no, no. See, this is the thing. Not not the Kazarians, but the well. Okay, so um, so there's another group they're looking for. Right. Okay. So what the Kazarians think uh, happened 
is that the space aliens came down, scattered around the planet, and each one of the groups in the in the scattered areas did their own thing with the local population. Okay, now, so that's the, kind of Zachariah Sitchin. Kind that's of kind, kind of his kind of what he's saying. Right. Yeah, kind of what he's saying. The Kazarians, therefore, were looking not for themselves replicated in uh, Mesoamerica, but for some other alternative dongle in Mesoamerica. They think that this somehow gives them powers. And so all of the superhero movies going back forever, all of the superheroes and comic books and all of that, mm-hmm. they're all Khazarians. Yeah, yeah. If, if you go and look at who did this, it was Khazaria all the way back. And they do it because of this Ubermensch idea and because they think that that dongle gives them these powers. And so it's this like, as you say, uh, it's psychopathic, and it's a projection. So many of us who don't have your, this is why I'm asking this question, because we don't have all your uh, your understanding here. We keep looking at this saying, this is the Khazarians wiping out the other Jewish, the, the real the real Judeans, the real uh, Israelites. Is that what's going on? Correct. Okay, so here's the thing. Okay. I keep using this language that the Khazarians wrap themselves like a sacrificial cloak in the Jewish population. There's, there's, um, or like a real, just cloaking device. Well, there's that, but at this point I'm using that language because they're, they're, they're sacrificing that cloak. Now the Khazarians are under the opinion that they have to kill 13 out of 14 people on this planet. Each of them. No, no, no. I'm saying all, uh, so the Khazarian inner core wants to reduce us down to that, that 500 million. Oh, yeah. Okay. They, they're behind so that, the... Right. And that requires that 13 out of 14 people die. Yeah. And they have, yeah. This, they have a reason for doing this at this time that appears to be driven by their understanding that the L are coming back. Their real problem at the moment stems from a, in my opinion, from a resurgence within their own society of an examination of the dongle like these last 50 years. So, so something that they've found or discovered about that DNA has mm. them really mentally tweaked out now about this time. And there's some, some reason in Wu world to, to think that there is indeed um, a possibility of contact. Okay, humans with something outside our planet not necessarily of our species in the immediate future. So you can point at all these different things that are going on in our solar system, and um, you could come to that conclusion, and I think they have come to that conclusion, and they put a year on it of 2050, maybe 2041. Are you there, Nancy? Yes, I'm sorry. I was muted on the other one. Yeah, so there, there's another reality or, a, you know, his opinion. Um, now, but, you, before you continue, you listened to the entire recording? Since you say you only gave us a fraction, have you listened to all of it? Yes, but they don't get into this subject really. Again. I mean, I, I, I clipped it. This was, you know. Okay, because my question is... Anywhere during the entire thing, do they explain how they're using the word dongle? 
No, no. It was like they both knew the word. And that upset me, too. I didn't know what the word was, and I couldn't ask a question. <laughs> okay. Because it's something that he, he describes makes perfect sense, because um, uh, the, you know that the Jews have this thing that they, they apparently they, they started off with 12 tribes. Initially, that their, their history says that they were 12, 12 tribes of, of Jews. Now, one of those tribes is the tribe of Levi. They're called Levites. Now, this is, a, this is interesting when he talks about how these people having an inner core which was more exclusive, more elitist than the than the rest of the Hazarian, because that these Levites were exempt from paying any any tribute to anybody, whereas all the other twelve, eleven tribes had to pay tribute. If you if you look at even this, what I'm going to say is criticism that comes not from me but from uh, uh, what do you call it uh, an official uh, rabbi. <laughs> A New York rabbi, uh, he, he criticizes the book. They, they have like a like their own version of the Bible. There's a, a book called Leviticus, and it has all the laws and regulations of the of the Levites, and it's astounding. It's horrible. Like uh, if you want, you for example, it's it's absolutely normal and legal for you to sell your daughter. It's absolutely legal and normal to kill your wife. It's absolutely it's like. It it describes the your how you treat people. It's like it's like somebody here. It's like you listening to a, a, a farmer describing how he's going to butcher his animals. I mean, the, the most atrocious rules and regulations, and these are considered from God. These are rules coming to you from God. <laughs> it's astounding. And even there are even the Jews themselves that are not aware of this because uh, they don't go around reading Leviticus for fun, but it's in the it's in the, that book. So that that matches exactly what Cliff is saying that they have this uh, core group that's super exclusive, super elitist, and has nothing to do with the original root Jews. <laughs> well, another thing he said that confused me. He said. He referenced the, uh, the, he said, they weren't Jewish, they were Essenes. They were Semitic, but they were Essenes. Mm -hmm. Give me some more information you might know on the Essenes, because of well, course, they Jewish, were, well, let me just, let me just finish why. Oh, okay, um, okay. Because Joseph and Mary, and then of course, Jesus were part of the Essenes. The Essenes are the ones that had the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls. They're the ones that were actually fighting uh, the Roman Roman uh, Empire and ended up getting all killed, supposedly. So I just wanted to throw that in. That's that's why I'm interested in it. The Essenes. Well, the uh, Essenes were the metaphysical teachers of the, the of uh, yes. Jesus. Yes. Yeah. In, in fact, in fact, his his personal guru is not a man. It was Miriam. Miriam was the guru of Jesus, and she's the one who warned him, according to Dr. Costa, who channeled that information. She's the one who warned him and told him not to use the law of miracles unless it was completely necessary, that it, there was no other way. Because otherwise, people are going to worship you for that, 
and they're going totally going to miss the message and what you're trying to relay to the people. And that's exactly what happened. That people who were so fascinated with miracles, um, produce fish and produce uh, loaves of bread, and like the the people that were that were such a having such a cold time, and he gave them coats, you know, out of nowhere. He just materialized these coats for these people that were dying of cold. So they were not paying attention to the message. They were just fascinated with the miracles. So what Miriam warned them would happen, happened. Okay, but the, the so, but I always understood the Essenes to be, you know, Jewish people, a tribe of the Jews. Is that what it set up? Are they one of the twelve? No, the Essenes are not one of the twelve. They're not. If you if you look at the names of the the twelve tribes, it's the Essenes are not one of the twelve tribes of uh, Judea. Well, that's interesting. So you've got that one part of the Jewish tribes that are getting tribute from everybody else, but then yeah. the Essenes are also in the picture, but not part of the tribes. Or are they part of one of the tribes? Are, well, are they, they, is there they any were, connection? They were made to disappear, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> so. um, somebody somebody didn't like them very much. I just put in chat um, the Naked Bible podcast that he mentioned. Um, that man died in February of 22 or something, very recently. Um, but and he, I could not find the book as a book, but I just put the link to the podcast, the Naked Bible podcast. Uh, so the information that he's working off of it you can look deeper if you want um i don't dolly hasn't said a thing has she walt should we ask her <laughs> did she listen uh i'm did not she, touching that with a 10 foot pole <laughs> and did she fall asleep <laughs> i tried to listen my ears wouldn't take it in and when that happens it means it's not for me i wouldn't understand it anyway <laughs> so I tried. I'm glad you tried, but not to worry. I figured that was going to be happening, but I just, I just, he brought in so much information that it was like, wow, things to thought, think about. What, well, what does? Well, he he does one of my favorite activities, which is connecting things, connecting yeah. this with that, and making and creating a a, a tapestry of all the isolated pieces because you you wonder what does this have to do with that what is that but then he makes it starts connecting and this connects with this and this goes there and this with that and, and, and then it creates a big tapestry a big landscape of of what think also he also he's uh, he's putting it uh in time because he's actually pl placing it uh, around what time it, this happened which makes another you know Makes sense. Yep, I agree. Um, and it explains how the why the Casarians have this uh, worship of blood. You know that explains you know the origin where it's coming from. 
Yeah, that's all creepy. I, I thought about cutting it out, but I said, no, he warns people, put your adult hat on. You know, I mean, this adrenochrome is just... Which, how long have I been saying it that we've been... And I'm not saying that I'm discovering anything new. It's just that I'm, I'm, I'm commenting on something that should be obvious to everyone by now is that the government treats us like we're we're livestock. We're not we're not even we don't even mind matter. We're not part of civilized anything. We're just just livestock to be used and exploited. So that just that just goes to tell you that we are not considered part of civilized anything. We're just you know livestock to be used. Obviously, they consider themselves part of a civilization. I don't know what civilization they are, but obviously, I'm not part of it. Well, you know, as I've gone over the decades learning about more and more evil, uh, you know, and, and I've, I've said this before, you'd hear, I'd hear something and I'd go, oh, no, no, couldn't possibly. And then I'd find out it was true. So over this decades of confronting this, I came to the conclusion that I sure hoped that the roots of this evil were not <laughs> human. And I, you know, when I first listened to, to this, it was like, oh, okay, so it's some ETs that came down. Did And then and then as I listened to it now, was he saying that the Kasarians were ETs? Is that what we're starting with? That they they started out as ETs came down and killed off a good portion of humanity. They well, he says that these uh, aliens, uh, there were two factions, and one faction was the losing losing side. Uh, so I, I don't know if they're they're the ones who moved to the area that became the Hazaria, and they are the ones who placed themselves. In the population, they are the they are the blood worshippers. They are the ones who started this whole cult of drinking blood and and exploiting people. So they okay. So let's go back to the to that story. And I I kind of don't ever listen to the names of these. But there was two brothers, and one brother wanted to help out humanity, and the other brother didn't. Oh, Is you're this... bringing in the uh, Anunnaki. You're talking about Enki and okay, Lil. So... Okay, because I that was the other thing was the Anunnaki, are you know was where he started the 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 conversation, and they went from Chichen into Sitchin into the Anunnaki and then into this other discussion, and so the lineages that there were, and and he said that there were like a quarter of a million of them that came down. Mm-hmm. So you got one faction that is trying to help us, another faction isn't. And so that's why apparently they're still there. They're still out there. But maybe the faction that was going to help us, trying to help us, just kind of ran out of people through intermarriage and everything else. Because it's like she she was pointing out. She, see, she seems to have been in, because there's more about the DNA and everything. She seemed to have gotten into the conversation because of the DNA. What is this odd DNA thing? Who, who's she? Lee, Dr. Lee Merritt, the woman that was on the... Oh, that was a woman? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's got a very deep voice. I get that a lot. 
Oh, you're a woman? <laughs> <laughs> yep, born that way. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I thought that all in all, it was such an interesting story. And because we had talked about it so often in the past. But this just sort of, you know, put in some some of the pieces. Well, I don't get it. One thing, for example, uh, like I said, that's why I was asking you if there was more information to this because you you said that this fragment came from a longer piece. Like, for example, one of the things that I'm aware of, they blame the uh, what is referred to in the Bible as the universal flood. They blame that on the Anunnaki because they say that uh, uh, Enlil is the one who wanted to kill kill off all the humans, exterminate them, and that Enki was the one who was uh, advocating for them for to survive and to save them. So it's like, okay, so what's what? You know, when when what? The, you know, Chris. I mean, uh, Cliff doesn't mention anything about the the flood. If that happened, but again, I haven't heard the whole thing. I don't know if he talks about the universal flood at all. There's so much alteration to the history. That's that's another thing that makes it difficult. <laughs> I guess that's why he had to cross-reference the histories from one place to another place in order to make a, a more coherent image, because so much again, so much history has been altered. Yeah, it's disappointing <laughs> because you really don't know. Well, it's sort of, that's that part of the story is starting to unravel too. You know. Now, let me ask you this: This was supposedly about eleven thousand years ago that the you know the breakup and the move and everything. When did we see the demise of the Bedrus? How many years? Thousands of years, or hundreds of years, or whatever. Well, the, the, the Bedrus survived the Roman Empire. So if you remember, I mean, that, they were fighting against the Roman forces because the Romans were invading the territories of the Bedrus. It took them forever to get rid of them, but we reduced them, I guess, in their terms, they reduced the Bedrus to a manageable amount of, uh, of people, number of people. But... Uh, they, it, the final, if I remember the books correctly, the final part of the Vedros lasted about a thousand years before they finally disappeared altogether uh, onto undetectable levels. So they did survive uh, quite a bit, a long time. It's just that uh, they went underground in a way. They didn't allow themselves to be detected. I see. Okay, so we're at the top of the uh, hour here. What would you like to hear, Dolly? Do you want sounds of silence over the rainbow? I came to sing. I came to sing. Oh, okay, wait a minute. That's... Ooh. I hope it's on this playlist. Oh, Uh, well, if not... Play a different one. Is that one you oh. played just recently and I just loved it. Did you find it? No, I didn't. But I'm going over to this playlist because if you want it, I will try to find it. Let's see. <laughs> okay. 
And I really talk, call it I came to talk because that's what I came to do. Talk, talk, talk. And welcome back to the Cosmic Reality Show. It's March 7th, 2023. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Walt Silva and Dolly Howard. Dolly, did you enjoy it? Thank and by you. the way, yeah, by the way, I loved it. <laughs> that song is I said I that I would sing by Cartana. CK and I can't even see if that's an A or an I. R. I think it's K I R T A N A. And I will look it up and put it in chat if anybody wants to you know, it, it's a it's an amazing song. It really kind of like, you know, tells the story of how many of us feel we got here and that we got some mission. Did you say Cartana with K-I-R? I think so. That's what I'm having a hard time reading what it says on the player. Okay, because Kirtan is devotional singing as done in India. Oh. When, they, when they do devotional singing, when you're singing to, to God, to Krishna, to whoever, that's called Kirtan because it's devotional singing. Let me put that in Google and see. Oh, anyway, okay, so what are we going to talk about next? You know, I, I have a comment about that. Oh, that guy who was on trial. Murder. Murder. Because I think of murder. Murder. Um, I saw him. They cut his hairs off. He is now a bald being. And, uh, his brother, one of his brothers, uh, was saying he's rethinking what he thought about the dude um, I think what he was saying was "Ooh, now I wonder if he is guilty so I found that to be interesting oh the bro- his, bro- his brother yeah oh yeah I saw his bald head one of them one of them um, but he doesn't look any better with a bald head than he did before the bald head. <laughs> he still looked pretty evil to me. It's his, his eyes. And oh my gosh, they showed his uh, son who he didn't kill. He also has red hair. But that boy's eyes are Black. I mean, black in black. They, oh, man. His son is uh, not any better than he is, I don't think, when it comes to being evil. He, he's a scary-looking kid to me. I just... Happened to see that today. Um, what else could we talk about? Well, I want to talk about Tucker's Tucker's tapes. Oh let's yeah, see. let's do that. That's fun. That's exciting. Thank yeah. you. See, I'm uh, too tired to think. 
Okay, on January, what? <laughs> Are you finished talking? Hello? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, yes, I'm done. Okay. On January 6, 2021, there was uh, the President of the United States, who was Trump, uh, was giving, it was a rally. A rally was, was organized by other people, not Trump, other people, to protest the Congress's certification of the 2020 elections. And supposedly, it was the largest crowd that had ever I think Trump said, this is the largest crowd I've ever seen. It was a huge crowd. And he said to them, you know, I know you're going, because they had gotten the permits for all of these protests. And he said, I know you're going to go over to the uh, Congress, the building that Congress is in, and do it peacefully. And just, you know, the way that the we're allowed to do in the United States. So... Then all hell breaks loose. And in all through this <clears throat> whole area are probably thousands of cameras that recorded over 40,000 hours that they wouldn't let the American people see. In fact, they wouldn't even let the Congress see. Now, they did, the, the, the Congress in that uh what do they call it, you know, that trial, that junk trial that they did, they had looked at the videos that were available. And, in fact, they're not very smart. This select committee on the January 9th that was had two Republicans on board that were just, well, neither of them are there anymore because they were so, they, they finally did the last straw and they were, they didn't make their primary. So I guess the other, one of them just quit because he wasn't going to win. But um, so it was a tri- it was a mock trial type of thing. And they really were after President Trump. They wanted to indict him so that he couldn't run for president again. That was seems to be what it was all about. So but they got this 40,000 hours. Now, most of us, including Tucker, I think, thought that there was like 14,000. That was supposedly what the number was, 14,000. And uh, I don't know what the other mainstream media was doing, but based on the fact that the mainstream media in some cases came out and said, oh, you shouldn't show that to anybody. Right? I mean, since it's, since it's happened. Now, what happened was that uh, this new Speaker of the House, who... I think probably had jurisdiction over those tapes because I was like, okay, so Pelosi's keeping the tapes from being put out, but then uh, McCarthy comes in and now he's going to do it. So he gets he gets the tapes released to him, and he gave it to Tucker Carlson. So the mainstream media, based on the small sampling I've seen, they um, either approached it as no, no, you shouldn't show anybody any of this to, why aren't you giving it to us? Why are you only giving it to him? Oh, those cats in the back, I swear. There's one cat that's mean to everybody else, but nobody gets hurt, but they scare the crap out of me. Um, so you got the the mainstream media then, you know, questioning why Tucker got it. Well, because Tucker, for the last 
what is it, two years, has been saying, why won't you show us these tapes? Why won't you show us these tapes? So McCarthy gave the tapes to Tucker's team, not Fox Network, to Tucker. And Tucker said that none of the Fox, uh, you know, higher-ups in the business, nobody except his team has seen this. They're the ones that are are putting together the clips that they're showing. And uh, nobody said to, we couldn't look at anything. So it's Tucker's team that went through this. I think it took three weeks. He said that they've had it for three weeks. Went through all this stuff, and now they're putting out these clips from, you know, he, what's, what he's doing is he's saying, this is what they said. Let's see if we can prove something different. And one of the most important ones to me was the fact that they accused uh, the death. Well, they, they, they said that the death of, uh, what's his name? He was a police officer begins with an S, but it was a police officer that supposedly had been hit in the head with a fire extinguisher and died. And he was put in state at the Capitol for days. All the biggies went by and, you know, blessed him and all this sort of thing. Real big deal. Well, it turns out that, and I had heard this, he didn't mention it. He said, I, I'm not going to, I don't know how he died. But the autopsy showed that he didn't die from a blow from the head. He died from a, some kind of a internal, I think it was his, either his heart or he had a, you know, a stroke of some sort. So it had nothing to do with the protesters. But they keep telling us the same story. All these police officers, died. nobody died except Ashley Babbitt, who was somebody that was an, a military person who had gone to protest the certification. And she was just part of the group of people. And they showed that, you know the guy that looked like uh, Sasquatch there with the horns and everything, I forget what they call him. But he was being led through the building by police officers. They were opening up doors for him. There was... You know what was it? Controlled chaos, I think he put it, because nobody was really knowing why they had been let in, but they were like sightseers. Nobody was carrying things that looked like they were going to hurt something. There was not any vandalism. In fact, there was a reverence for the building. So nothing that they said happened happened, but they kept showing you a very select, just a few of the the things that were happening outside that were being done by people who really weren't the protesters. These were the ones setting it up, breaking windows and doing this stuff, the stuff that you keep seeing. That was only on a very limited time and place. The rest of the, the videos were all rather boring. Nothing was happening. So he's showing these things. And then Suskind, I think his name is. So then he go, he says, and this is the, the police officer that supposedly was being hit, was hit in the head and dead at the time that you can see him ushering in people. He was supposedly hit in the head with a, uh, what did I say, fire extinguisher. He had a helmet on. And he was ushering people in. He was, you know, just, but it was, it was after he was supposedly dead. And <laughs> Tucker says, and do 
why would this particular piece of evidence regarding what might have happened to him not addressed by the January 6th trial? And he says, we know they saw it. We know they saw it because if they looked at something, there was a notation put in the computer file that said this was accessed by this group at this time and date. So he knows they saw that, that it absolutely proved that the Susskind killing was was absolute BS. So I can't wait until I see what happens tonight because he's doing another a second part. But, um, yeah, of course, you got to have people watching Fox. But, of course, most people are watching Fox now. The other stations are crashing and burning. So everything that they said about January 6th is blowing up in their faces. And I'm hoping that they they kept... No, go ahead. Sorry. They keep saying that five police were killed brutally. Yeah, right. And there weren't. There weren't any. That's all. The, only, per, the no. only person that was shot was, like I say, Babbitt, Ashley Babbitt. And she's the only one that, well, she's not the only one that died. Because outside the building, there was that other terrible, terrible beating up of this woman that Jan is reported on. So there were, and I think somebody else got severely hurt i'm not sure they died but you know there was another instance where somebody was killed that was a protester a rioter you know and that was just off the grounds of the congress um building campus um yeah it's just blowing it out of the water there's nothing true about what they said so there's a lot of good things happening, you know. There truly are a lot of good things happening. We just have to be aware of them. So, okay, so we covered that. <laughs> Shoot. We still got a lot of show here. <laughs> um, let me think. Come on, guys. You must have watched something. Did you see something? Alex Collier. There, uh, Derek. Walt, did you listen to uh, Alex Collier recently or heard it? What have you been listening to? No, right now to, uh, I'm going, I'm halfway through uh, one of uh, uh, Michael Salas. He's interviewing uh, a man who he, you know how they're, the, like, for example, Randy Kramer, they do the thing where they spent 20 years, like in Mars. And then they aged re- regress them, so they're they're aged regress, so they don't show that they aged, so they're essentially back in the same time as when they left. So there's no record that they left anywhere that, that they left the planet, because they do that age regression thing. Uh, in this case, he 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 says he, the way he explains his story is that his group, his soul group. They made a, a deal with the uh, U.S. government in the '60s, so that he would he would be uh, he would come in, he, and when he, he was born on on Earth, but when he was two years old, he was he would they did the opposite. They aged him forward, so he was he looked 
and 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 function like a 25 year old because by aging him forward he he came into the body with all his uh, memories intact of who he is and where he comes from so he's for 20 years he was uh, with the uh, American forces, the one one of the three space programs, and then he got moved to another twenty years, where he worked for the U for the UN, because it turns out that the UN has have their own secret space wars. So that's that's the 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 story that I'm looking at now, and he spent uh, I don't know how many years in uh, Mimos, which is a, a uh, moon of Saturn. Uh, he was in a in a in a space station that's like a uh, has a radius of 250 miles and radius is huge. It's like uh, the our own. It's it's all it's almost like having our our own local moon. And uh, he he was uh, involved in, in in dealings when when there's. A kind of political or some other kind of dealings and he was like a representative because he did uh he worked telepathically that's why when he wasn't busy doing that kind of work he was always in stasis because uh, they wouldn't allow him to you know be mind probed so in order to avoid that they would be put him in in, in stasis so that's the story that i'm looking at so i'm up, i'm about halfway through Sorry, nothing, uh, nothing interesting to you. <laughs> no, no, it is Who interesting. Who was that, Walt? I forget his name. Uh, he's in... Uh, hold on a second. Let me bring up... It'll be in my YouTube because I'm, that's what I'm looking at right now. And Dr. Sal Salas is from... Um, oh, what is it? Uh, what's his website? Exoplanet, no. Exopolitics, exopolitics. Exopolitics, exopolitics.com, I think. Um, he's been in the business for a long time, but well, he tells some amazing stories. Indeed. <laughs> you know, he has people on there telling amazing stories. I mean, I kind of wonder, well, where is this Space Force? I mean, it seems to me like at this point in the game, if they just flew over and said, hi, boys and girls, this is a space force up here and we've been we've got things in charge, you know, who's doing that? Is that you? Walter? Sorry, that's me. Okay. Okay. Uh, there he is. His name is Chris O'Connor. Okay. He, I saw him in, in a, this is the second time that I see him because previously to this, I saw him in another video where he, there were uh, uh, four people speaking to the camera uh, and they were talking about this whole disclosure business. So Alex Calvier was one, uh, Elena Denon was another one, uh, the, the other, the lady that um, blonde British lady, I think is, her name is Chris something. And the fourth person was this gentleman, Chris O'Connor. So what 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 do you think it is? I mean, uh, the, the story that I've heard is that, in, and I remember this from the 60s, there was, uh, remember this is pre-internet, um, but there was a report out of Great Britain 
by a reporter who suddenly got on the trail of missing scientists. And there were people all over the world that just seemed to have disappeared, but they were people uh, with credentials. And I, I think it was more like people saying, well, what could have happened? Maybe they're in a speak secret space program or, you know, talking about well, this. They were duped. Because, like, uh, if, if we, if one, if one is to believe that, and it makes sense in some way, some of the stories told by this gentleman, Corey Good, uh, these people were duped. Uh, especially, like, he, there was one. He told an anecdote that he was, he went to a, uh, one of the these uh, Nazi bases. This is that was in in one of the moons, in one of the planets here of the solar system, and. He was the way he was dressed drew the attention of the people there because the people are, are that were, that are there are people that are brought over from Earth, professionals, doctors, engineers, you name it. And the reason they are there is because in their minds they are there because they were rescued. There was some major global catastrophe on Earth, and all human life on Earth is extinct. So they were rescued. And now they're living here, and they they live in very Spartan type of uh, life where um, they have complete they are under Nazi control, so they are being treated as you know practically slaves, and they have nowhere to go because you're in the moon. So he was there visiting from another base, so they were kind of astounded to look at him and he the way he was dressed. And they ask a question about Earth, and he says, "What about what about Earth?" So for the first time, they heard that you know nobody died on Earth. So that 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 caused a commotion, and he had to evacuate because you know uh, no one's supposed to find out that Earth is still around and there people are still living on Earth. So that so that I believe that because it it, it coincides with the. Testimony of other, you know, uh, whistleblowers and witnesses. Now, in this particular case of this this man, uh, he wasn't working for any Nazi. He was working for a uh, for the because he explains that the UN has their own space force, but they're like, I don't know how closely connected they are to the to the physical. UN structure here on Earth, because the when he was on uh, in orbit around the moon uh, Mimos, which is the moon of Saturn, uh, he was involved in these negotiations, which are between uh, Earth and different uh, alien groups. Because he said that in uh, in that base, there's like over a hundred thousand beings. Of different uh, civilizations, not only different civilizations, but he, for the first time, I hear of someone. Well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be saying that because it's not the first time. The first time I've heard of uh, a third density person visiting a fifth density place is uh, Alex Collier, where he explains that every time he he had to meet with Mornay in the ship, the first thing they do with him is they put this belt on him to stabilize his body so that's how he can spend time with them because their their existence there is different it's a fifth density so this man kind of uh, builds up on that because he said that 
the different groups of different beings. Some live uh, in in a third density reality, but others are different. Uh, others are on a third, are on a fifth density reality. Others, the, the base itself is on a fifth, on a no. So he said eighth density. So uh, you can't, if you're a third density, you can't spend too much extended time in uh, in those things. You can be there for a limited time, and then you have to go back because it's not compatible to your life. And uh, and he and he also said that the thing about he says eighty percent of the time he was there, he had, he spent it on stasis because he he was only taken out of stasis when they needed him to communicate with some group. But that's as far as I've gotten in the in in the uh, in this video. The video is an hour and twenty minutes long. But and when when you were saying he, you're talking about this Chris guy, Chris O'Connor. Chris O'Connor. Okay. So he's done three of those twenty and back tours, not just one, like Randy Kramer. Randy did twenty and back. He did three of those. So, well, you know, there was a television program that started up. Oh, I don't even know when. Long time ago, and it was very similar in the the concept of being that these people get on this spaceship, and they're being told that they're go that Earth is going to explode or whatever, and that they have to go find a new place to live, and that the whole thing is about. Oh, you're talking about that series that was canceled? Yeah, what was the name of it? Ascension? Uh, yeah, it, it, it was, uh, I think it was that, the, the word Ascension. It, was, the name of, it was supposed to be the name of the ship or something. Right, I think that's that's exactly the name. And so you, you as the, the, you know, witness to this story, I think that they're on a voyage to outer space and that they're going to find this new place. And then you find out that the ships never left Earth. It's all a facade. And I don't even remember or if even they told, you know, why they did this. But it was a great show. It was kind of convoluted. You know, you had to, but the characters were good and the acting was good. The script was, like I say, a little convoluted. And then they canceled it. Well, how did they manage the, the change of gravity with the cockpit? That part didn't make sense to me because, the, in essence, the ship is a is a giant skyscraper. It's like each floor is on top of the other floor, so it makes sense if it's sitting in some hangar on Earth or some underground base. You know, the floors. But the way the they show you the structure of the ship from the outside, when you get to the very top, is the bridge of the ship, and the bridge of the ship. Everyone's sitting at their at their console, but they're uh, what do you call it? They're ninety ninety degrees off. They're in a, they're not standing straight up as if they were standing on the gravity of Earth. They're sitting down, but like a like a well, like when they shoot a a rocket to the moon, and the uh, what do you call it? The uh, astronauts are sitting on their on on their seats. And they're looking up at the ceiling, right? Because they're looking straight up. So essentially, they're sitting on their backs. You know, they're 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 ninety degrees off of 
horizontal. And that's and the the bridge the entire bridge is like that. And everyone's walking around. And it's like, wait a minute, everyone's walking around and they're 90 degrees off. How did they manage this? Only so you would say something like that. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It was all phony to begin with. But you know, it's it's almost like, well, again, they seem to be compelled to tell us stories. I, I've often wondered. Are they being compelled to tell us stories about reality so that if we go, well, that's an interesting story, you know, now, okay, so we can continue with this mission here. Uh, or is it that you got some very creative, imaginative people that tap into that reality in some way or another and just simply write about it? And you get it on, I can, I, there, there's other ones. I mean, I stopped watching essentially episodial type of television because if you found something that was good you're damn sure it's going to be canceled <laughs> you know it's just like they take these what is what happened with, with the original star trek they, it had uh two good seasons and then the third season was like an afterthought because they they changed this the the um, what do you call it the timing it wasn't prime time for two years and then on the third year, they they threw it somewhere in the back at the at the at the end of the the schedule on a Friday where nobody was looking at television. So so they they saw the writing on the wall that, that they were going to be canceling the the show, and the show came back after years of fans fighting. It was it was crazy. You would think that this was kind of a political movement, but I remember reading the book. Uh, uh, the the world of Star Trek by written by David Gerald, the uh, writer who wrote the episode "The Trouble with Tribbles." He wrote other episodes, and uh, he was astounded by how people pushed. They they kept they kept pushing and then pushing. They they asked that the series be brought back, and what kept it alive was syndication, because syndication, you know, is when they when they buy a show that's already been canceled. And they show it on uh, like, a, you know, you're repeating your repeat episodes. Uh, so it was syndication that kept it alive. And eventually it did come back because Star Trek The Next Generation was a big success. It was on, on the show. It was on the screens for 10 years. Well, my sister Mary, who's four years younger than I, she got really into it. She had to watch that show because we're one, one television in the house. Well... <laughs> <laughs> we ended up having two, you know, but she always had to watch that show and she was really into it. But it, I never got into it until it was syndicated. It was, uh, you know, I just wasn't ready for it. She was and she's the one that she's the good person in the family. She's the good sister. <laughs> she doesn't fight with anybody. No, she doesn't fight with anybody. <laughs> no. But uh, no, she's she's one. She's like I think. Why well, since earlier, you know, I, I I had hoped that humanity and the evil that we see on the planet comes from outer space, from some other genetical thing, some other, you know, I don't know where, but not human because it it makes you question humanity. But then you have people like my sister Mary who. They're just good, nice people. They'll do anything for you. Anytime anybody has a problem in the family, her and her husband show up before anybody else does. They're just very, very special. And I think that it's that 
human being, that energy of the human being, the compassionate, caring one, that actually fuels the rest of us that are trying to do good work, that are really in the battle, the warriors. They're the ones that make it worthwhile fighting for humanity because they're in the image of God as I would like to think God is. So, yeah, but yeah, Star- they if they sell us, they want to they want to com- convince you and sell you this this bullshit that oh, mankind is it's it's like a um, what do you call it like a pest on the surface of the planet. I mean that's the, what the cabal wants. They want to exterminate, you know the what is what is it ninety percent of the population because they think oh oh the population the the planet will do much better without all the humans. No, it's what they want. That's not what the planet wants. And, and I wonder about <clears throat> that because he said that it was thirteen out of fourteen people they want gone. They want down down to five hundred million which is a figure on the uh, George uh, Guidestones. Mm-hmm. So my my thing here is that, okay, if you want to get rid of all those people, where are you going to get all the blood stuff that you want to suck up? <laughs> you know, you're going to go through that half a million in a, in a heartbeat here. You know, so that whole thing, like, kind of like, I just don't know about that. Well, you you heard Cliff, uh, Cliff High, is that a lot of the stuff that these people are believing now as, a, as something that's real, that's the, their belief system, is not based on any real science. It's just based on the mythology that has been handed down to them after so many thousands of years. But they're really far removed from anything resembling a reality. They're just they're just following a program. They're following a program. A belief system, but that and reality are very far removed from the from the very fact that the the uh, what do you call it the the Bible has been altered so heavily and so much. Like he said in the Naked Bible, there's no mention of God at all. God doesn't even appear as a as an afterthought. It, it's they just modified it in order to make it a sellable story. And that's how they convinced the others. So they're they're buying the story that that they <laughs> they the ancestors concocted concocted to keep everybody under control. So you're believing it like it's true, absolute truth. Oh, this is this this is the law. This is you know this is this reminds me of an an anecdote of Yogananda that. Uh, in the uh, in in Encinitas, in one of the groundskeepers was a was a man who had um, I think no he was visiting a place and he had a chance to visit um, a man in a farm and the man kept uh, harping and complaining about his son and all the troubles that he was causing and he wanted maybe so Yogananda just listened to the man and he said well. Do you have an, uh, a big, uh, do you have a, a, a fire, like, um, I mean, a wood fire oven? And the man said, yes, I do. Okay, so make sure you fill the oven with the wood fire and make sure you light the fire. Yeah, and then what happens? Well, make sure you light the fire. And when the oven is as hot as it'll go, you make sure you shove your son into it. 
And the, when they heard that, the man let out a huge scream, what? You want me to kill my own son? So you're going to understand, well, there you have it. If you, an imperfect human, are incapable of killing your own son, do you think God would kill you? Do you think that, that, that God is so heartless that he would just kill you on a whim? Think about it. So that that's, you know, when you you read the Bible, it's not a very nice God at all. You know, the guy that keeps uh, sacrificing everybody and killing this guy and killing that, you know, that's not a very nice God to begin with. So it's a, you're making it a choice. You're making it a choice to believe in this. That's, that's why the New Testament is so different from the Old Testament. In the New Testament, I mean, I haven't read it, but I've been told that it's, it's more about a loving, compassionate God. Not kill this guy, kill that guy type of God. <laughs> well, you know, when you you, you said that um, he was warned, uh, Jesus was warned by Miriam to um, not do the miracle thing. And that to me was like, okay, so he knew up front that this was a problem. Because... I don't think that Jesus came out and said, I am the only son of God. I am a direct, out of his his sperm came me. I don't think he said that. I think he said it in the way of, I'm the son of God. You're the son of God. You're the daughter of God. We're all part of God. I think that's what the message was. Because well, the sense. wording was misunderstood because he said, God and I are one. He didn't say, I am the son of God. He says, God and I are one, which is that that follows for everybody. Well, I'm just sort of take I'm just sort of giving the Christian, you yeah. know, interpretation of it. So it, it, when you look at the, the, the Jesus story, assuming that, OK, Christianity is right and he's the son of God and God, he's come here to teach the, the you know, the citizens of Earth on how to be godly, and it turns into Christianity, which could be argued, has caused more death and destruction and terror and horror than many other religions. But at the hands of who? The P Christians. In the yeah, name but, of God, I kill, you know? Yeah, but the Christians were being guided by who? You know, the... the, the, the the cabal. I mean, all, all these priests. They oh, were I know. All, I know. That, I know. Yeah. I know. That, I know that. <laughs> what, I, what I'm saying is that if, because I was born, you know, brought up as a Catholic. My, I had an aunt that was a nun, an uncle that was a priest. You know, I mean, it was saturated in it. When I got to be about 13, I made my mother take me to church every day during Lent. Every day, that poor woman had to get up and take me to church. And uh, but, you know, I mean, so I it was very fundamental to me. But then as you start to look at it and you start to really analyze it, it was this concept of would God send his son down here and then have a organization that does so much bad things? Does this make sense? No. And he was warned, don't do that, because from, you know, memories of coming from coming to this planet many times from, you know, different places in the universe. And they always, the humans will always want to do that to you. You know, if you showed them anything that was 
magic and what's magic it's a manipulation of energy you're trying to educate them you know they they think you're a god so it's it's like this thing that creates a, a, a circle of events that no we're not gods please you you have the capability of doing it we're all god we're all part of god they couldn't seem to get that message and so it's very interesting that you brought that out that you know he was warned don't do the magic stuff they'll think you're yeah. god according to the, dr costa his ministry was supposed to last for 30 years but it just he could not sustain the the, the connection to his guides they sent him uh mary magdalene so that, that you know history has her or oh, that she was a prostitute no she wasn't a prostitute she was an ascended master like him to assist him in the to maintain that spiritual contact but he couldn't do it he it, it just he just could not make the connection the the vibrations on earth were so low at that time it was it was difficult so it was a it was a the business of getting him killed was just to set a, a message creating a like um what would you, what would you say something to uh, placeholder uh, something uh maneuver to get the, that message across one way or the other but his ministry was supposed to be 30 years long it not was not supposed to die so soon But he couldn't sustain Well, not, not, not off for tech topic. Elvis had the same thing. He kept saying that he was burning up because he believed he was from a, uh, a well, it's in the Orion belt, uh, the Blue Star, uh, what's the name of it? Cyrus? I don't remember it. Yeah. That he came from there. R- R- Riga. Rigel? Rigel, yes. He believed that he was from Rigel, from that solar system. And and, and the reason that I know this is because there... He was... was, Oh, everything about the Elvis story. I'm going to go through it real quick here. Um, When he was born, there was a twin. And the twin was born dead. And his father didn't know there were twins. And just thought, oh, my son has died, blah, blah, blah. And he goes outside the house, and he's, like, in tears. And all of a sudden, he notices this blue glow coming from the house. And it's, you know, just a wooden-framed house. And all of a sudden, somebody came out running to him and said, there was another one, there's another one, you've got a live son. Okay, so his birth was marked by blue light, <laughs> you know, and the death of his his twin. So then he goes on and he becomes very um, popular, but he's being controlled by the colonel and all those other people making money off of him. And they really, I mean, he did not do drugs willingly. They were drugging him. And we know all this because he, in an, in an attempt to keep going and to, to stay sane, he was reaching out to fans of his. So these fans ended up getting together and he would call them on the telephone. And one woman said, can I, you know, tape these calls? And he gave her permission. So years later, after he had died and everything, they put it together. And it's a book on Amazon. I'll try to get that. i got to write myself a note. Elvis, put Elvis and see if I remember what that was about. 
I put these notes. I don't know what they mean. Okay. So, so um, but he said to these people, he said, I'm not going to live very long. I'm burning up. And he felt that he had a message that he was trying to get across, but was failing. And he wanted to leave, very desperately wanted to leave being a singer and become a preacher. But, you know, I mean, he had a very short life comparatively. So, uh, yeah, maybe it's that same kind of a thing that Jesus just couldn't hold those energies. He was burning up. And the best thing to do is instead of having some guy that dies because he drops dead of a cerebral hemorrhage or whatever, to put on a show to make him remembered and hope that, you know, decades in the future, people who look at him as a representative of what humanity can become. And, you know, the connection to, you know, we are part of God. God is in us. We wouldn't be here if we didn't have a spark of God. And why is God do, God doing this? God is living existence by our experiences. So, you know, that being the message wouldn't give anybody else any control over everybody else because you're all equal. So they took the, the story, butchered it, used it for control, and a lot of people have gone down that route, you know. He's, you know, I'm not saying don't follow the teachings, but follow the real teachings. That's the thing that surprised me about uh, the... I wasn't aware, since I'm not a fantastic student of major religions, I was astounded that uh, there were people, I guess, I don't know if they're investigators or researchers, who are openly claiming that uh, Jesus never existed, that he was a fabrication, because his story has, has been written uh, equally in other, in other cultures. Like, for example, one of them quotes that... Uh, among the Norse mythology, even before they knew anything about uh, missionaries and Christianity, they had the the story of Odin parallels the story of Jesus because he he was uh, crucified or that he was up on a, on a tree or something, and that's, and, and so they're they're claiming that he never really existed because there's all these parallels. And so I, I was astounded. I said, what? Now they're claiming he never existed, where where you have people like Dr. Costa who actually channeled and witnessed the uh, his existence. But you know, I guess there's all. Well, there, there was a, a historian Joseph, I forget what they Joseph of somebody, um, and he wrote a history of the Essenes, and he talks about you know the the fact that Jesus did exist as an Essene. It's the only known historical document that I know that is specifically, you know, confirms that he at least was a player, you know. The, the thing that I, I can't verify because there are so many stories is that I don't know if it's true or not, but that business of um, the, the, the story that I heard is that, yes, so supposedly he... He, he did die at the cross, but in reality, he didn't die at the cross because he didn't actually resurrect. He was never truly dead. They said that uh, after he died, he went to Tibet. And, and I don't know how many years he spent there. 
so they claimed that no, he didn't die at the cross. He actually went to Tibet because he needed to disappear from the world. So I don't know that if there's truth to that. I don't know. Okay, um, there is there is indication that that could be true. However, the one thing that makes me think it was not true is the fact that the Shroud of Turin exists. And the indications in the analysis of the blood that's on, the, on, on it and everything else, it confirms the crucifixion story. Okay, but how did this image get onto the Shroud of Turin if he didn't die. The story is, is that the Essenes gave him, you know, when, when they put the sponge up to his mouth mm-hmm. and then right after that, he seems to, oh, forgive them, Father, and dies, right? Mm-hmm. Supposedly, that was a concoction that made him look like he was dead. And the Essenes got him down and gave him the antidote, and then he survived and went on with the mission that you're referencing. Now, but, and I would say, okay, that, you know, I I can see that that could be the story. But the Shroud of Turin is a radiated energy that came off of the body that is depicted on the Shroud and actually etched, the energy etched itself into the cloth. If If you go back and there's a lot of study on this now, it's continued. You know, it, it's no explanation that they can give to how this got there. It's real, except that the, that it was like the body disintegrated in a burst of energy that at some level burned itself, the image of it, into the, into the cloth. And you can't do that if you didn't die, in my opinion. But one of the weird things about what happened, what we know is documented in a way that, well, it's, maybe it's true, um, is that Mary Magdalene went back to, with some other women, and went back to the where the tomb was. And that's when the tomb was opened and they found that he was not there, the body was not there. But then there's a story of her seeing a gardener when she sees Jesus, she thinks it's the gardener. His physical appearance was different enough to Mary Magdalene that she saw somebody she attributed to being the gardener. Why else are you here in this garden of, you know, the cemetery? Excuse me. <clears throat> so what you have happening is that I think he did die, but that I think his bioelectromagnetic field was pretty near identical to another human version of himself. And that when he died, the physical body of Jesus, all of the bioelectromagnetic energy that the soul, if, if you will, walked into this other guy that was maybe the gardener. So that was my interpretation based on you know, different studying I did it, was that, yes, it happened, yes, he died, but he ended up being this in this other body. Now, maybe it's that other body that went and did all of the things that supposedly Jesus did because it's just Jesus in another body. It coincides, it follows another story from India where uh, the story goes that the, uh, there was a group by the 
they were getting ready to uh, cremate because in India they do cremation automatically. Uh, they were going to cremate this young man who died in his 20s. And as they were getting ready to do the uh, light up the, the pyre, uh, this old yogi comes out of the jungle and he screams at the group, wait, wait, I need that body. As soon as he said that, the old guy just keeled over and fell dead on the ground. And they want people want to see him. What's what's going on? Why? And the the man is dead. That is a doornail. But the young man that was uh, ready to be burned actually woke up and stood up, and he looked around and he just walked in, back into the jungle. So the people were left with only the old man's corpse, and that's what they burned because the young man left. So oh, uh, that's wild. Again, that's a wild story. Where did you hear that? That was from Yogananda. It's one of his anecdotes. Oh my God, that's a great story. So it kind of confirms what I say happened to Jesus. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, we're down to the last two minutes here. So, uh, Dolly, you want to say goodnight? Dolly. Yay, I believe in Jesus. Yes. And um uh, thanks everyone for being here. We'll see you next time. Well, we'll talk with you next time that we talk with you. Saturday and say yeah. what? Oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Walt, do you want to say good night? Okay. Thank you everyone for being with us and keeping us company. Take care. Yes, and um, tomorrow at noontime to 2 is Radio 5G. And it's going to be about, it's information that we know, but it's being presented by one of the people who have left the tech industry to get the message out that the smart cities and the uh, digital currency and all of this stuff is real. so anyway, Mark and I comment on it, Mark Joseph. I thank you all for being here. And uh, because Walt's got the stream, I'm going to put the tune on when you hear the end. Could Oh, I don't have the tune up. Oh, here we go.
Cosmic Reality Radio Show, produced by Cosmic Reality Radio. Thank you for listening. Choose your heart.